Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs and I've been in business since 1994. Today's podcast I'm going to talk about if it's not hurting, it's not hurting. All right, I'll explain that in a bit, but I really think you're going to like it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow and over 100 million in sales between the two. They are grinders. They will get out there and they will help you with any real estate needs you may have. They can be reached at 386-451-2412 or at thegildengroup.com and I will put their information in the show notes so you can easily just click and go. Check them out, please. So we've had quite the time here the past week in uh, my part of Florida, Central Florida. Got hit with whole old Hurricane Ian. He was not fun. He did a lot of damage to the area. I'm very grateful to say that we didn't have any damage to my home or to the gym or anything. And um, but a lot of the area is not so fortunate. It was uh, quite the bad storm. I've lived here a long time and we've had quite a few hurricanes, but it seems like any hurricane that comes in from that west coast as far as central Florida goes really hits us. I can remember Hurricane Charlie doing the same thing, but this one dumped way more water and the flooding is just unreal. So. I'm back to it on the podcast for the first time in almost a week. I guess I did a little podcast prior to the storm coming. But uh, yeah, it it was a nasty thing. Um, My daughter rescued a tiny little kitten. It was like three days old or four days old. They're estimating when she found it in the storm. And I tried to get back there with my truck to help her get it to the vet when the hurricane was rolling out but it was still quite nasty, ended up getting the truck stuck, and what a night. But in any event, um, the kitten is fine. She is nursing it to health, like the awesome kid that she is that really cares about all creatures, and I love that about her. And uh, she's named him Bean, and she's gonna keep Bean. And uh, you know, that's a cool little blessing that comes out of it. And of course, just hoping that um, Bean's family is okay, you know, it's really terrible the amount of animals that gets um, transplanted basically in these uh, types of storms so all right so back to fitness if it's not hurting you it's not hurting you what do I mean by that so there's all kinds of different debates in the exercise physiology world and physical therapy world about ways to manage injuries and how not to get hurt and how to avoid overtraining and overuse and all these kind of things and uh, you know one of the things that I like to say that I get complimented about I'm really not trying to toot my own horn number one because I'm really not and number two I actually study these things like podcasts and writing books and things and they say one of the worst things to do is tout your own horn because it turns people off so for that reason and mostly the reason I'm really just not I'm really trying to use it as a way to uh, 
you know, explain how I come across things and how I think about things. But the compliment is that I'm able to take a lot of the scientific information that I've seen, that I've studied, and kind of cut through it a little bit and get to like, what is the truth behind it? What is the nonsense behind it? If there is, and a lot of times there is, and I honestly don't think it's because I'm smarter than anybody. I'm not alluding to that at all. It's more because I really do care about fitness. Like it is a major hobby for me, not only a, a uh, passion and profession, but you know, a hobby. And I'm very stubborn. And I think my stubbornness helps me in this area. Like I just don't get fooled very easy with things, you know? So when studies come out or these opinions come across and uh, there, there's quite a few, a lot more than you probably realize, you know? It, uh, you know, maybe you, you the listener, you the client, you the patient didn't realize that a lot of the things you're told often are opinions and different ways of doing things. You might just think it's the way, but in reality, in the sports medicine world, there is a lot of opinions. Some of them, of course, good. Some of them are bad and or maybe counterproductive. So that's what I want to help you with a little bit. And so a lot of times I just look at things and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So when it comes to injuries and preventing injuries, I think that's one of my strengths in the industry. Maybe because I find it something so preventable and maybe it's because of it being so controllable, like there are tangible things you can do to avoid things and there are tangible ways to fix things. Maybe that's it, I don't know, because in my personality, I tend to be kind of like a control freak, you know? So it's like, I like all my, my I's dotted and my T's crossed and it's like, I don't like ambiguity a whole lot. So um, maybe that's why I find it so fascinating and I've had a lot of success with it. Like I've said this before in prior podcasts, but I'll say it again. You know, the, the client that we typically take, you know, when we're very full and we are, but they'll move up on that list a lot sooner is a rehab or prehab client because we always have success with them because it's a very tangible outcome. Like there's things we know to do to help these people that can be replicated to where they can get back doing what they want to do or at the very least figure out how to work out correctly so they can do all the other things that they want to do. And I've said it before, weight loss clients can be extremely difficult. I have one now and she's killing it, but she mostly had the diet part already down. And that's really the key, which is why my new book coming out in December, and it's really not a shameless plug for it because I've already plugged it and everything, but it's why I wrote the book, You Can't Outrun a Poor Diet, because you do have to do it on your own. And as a physiologist and trainer, like we can only give you the tools that you really have to do day in and day out. That's the only way somebody's gonna lose weight. And if it's a situation where 
like we or Weight Watchers or whatever group is constantly weighing you and telling you what to change, it's just not going to work long term. And I just don't like being part of that game per se. So that's why I wrote the book. It's like, look here. I, I mean, I be, you know believe in weight loss. I know it's possible. I know how to do it, but you have to do it on your own. So you're going to have to read about it. And then you know we experts that really care about the industry are there for support but you really have to do it on your own so anyway so I don't like taking those kind of clients per se unless again it's for other reasons like well as I'm losing weight I want to get stronger I want to improve my conditioning and all that that's different but weight loss clients we like to take uh, I'm so whew, look at that hurricane Ian like coming back and flooding the brain um, rehab prehab sports medicine learning how to work out correctly, move up the line. They're the ones we like to take. So anyway, so one of the things that used to really like just baffle me because I've been to the seminars, I've been to the conferences, I've gotten into the, the chats you know, online where people argue back and forth when it comes to different techniques for injury prevention and injury rehab. There's this thing called open chain versus closed chain. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on it. I'm just trying to kind of give you a little bit of a backstory as to why I said if it's not hurting you, it's not hurting you. The old Yogi Berra truisms, right? If you know who he is, he'd always say things like that that are just really, really cool. I think anyway. So anyway, if it's not hurting you, it's not hurting you. I can hear him say it in his voice, you know. Winning is 50% half mental. That was one of his, no, 90% half mental. That was one of his classics. So anyway, that was Yogi-isms. So, but the closed chain versus open chain argument basically is this. So if you can put your bottom of your feet on the floor, that's considered a closed chain exercise. So that would be like a squat, a lunge. Those are considered closed chain exercises because the bottom of your feet are against a surface, all right? Whereas an open chain exercise would be like a leg extension or a leg curl where the bottom of your feet are not attached to anything solid on the floor and your legs are working more as a hinge as the rolling pads are on your shins. Those are called open chain exercises. Just the fact alone, these things got labeled that way, makes you realize like how silly some research can be. I mean, just that alone, right? You're like open chains, I mean, why not just keep it where it was, squats versus leg extensions. Oh no, we have to classify them. Little side note on that, I uh, once was paid to a review a textbook in sports medicine, and that was the one error I found, and it was just simply a silly typo, where they called, um, they called a, they showed a picture of a person on a leg extension, and they called it a leg press closed chain exercise. I'm like, well, Closed chain exercise is a leg press, my dear, but I hate to break it to you. That's a picture of a leg extension, so anyway, got paid pretty decent for those silly little typo fines, kind of silly. But any event, the, you know, this argument goes on, and I'm ranting about it because anybody that works in sports medicine knows that this argument goes back and forth with between PTs, physical therapists. And the rule of thumb is, well, you don't do open chain exercises for ACL tears or meniscus tears. Those are knee injuries. 
you do closed chain exercises but in reduced range of motion. And then the argument goes on to say you do open chain exercises, for example, leg extensions for anterior cartilage problems such as chondromalacia, runner's knee, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay. And the thought is that open chain exercises causes shearing forces on the knee which impacts the ligament with an ACL and impacts the meniscus with a um, meniscus tear, the cartilage with the meniscus tear. So it's like, well, wait a minute, aren't there other things that could be producing the shearing? For example, speed, force, load, angle, and the answer, of course, is yes. I mean, you can't separate all those things, right? And so why do I get, I wouldn't say upset, it's just more like I look at people and shake my heads and think, you know, you're not doing people a lot of good with that methodology because number one, number one, remember this, the best way to rehab a joint and to prehab a joint, in other words, insulate it the best you can, is to make the muscles around it stronger, period. And whatever makes those muscles around that particular joint stronger without causing pain, if it ain't hurting you, it ain't hurting you, that's the exercise you choose. So if a person can do a leg extension and they have an ACL tear or they have a meniscus tear, but they can do a full length leg extension, full range of motion leg extension to the point where that joint can now go to muscular failure doesn't matter the load per se but the muscle can be fatigued where you can see the quads in that case shaking that's making their knee better dummy like that's what you need to do all right i've had two recently two knee injuries recently in the last say few months one of them was really bad one of them was a complete acl tear surgery with meniscus. You almost always tear your meniscus when you tear your ACL. They go hand in hand because the type of injury is a twisting injury. And so when that, I'm trying to describe it with my hands, you obviously can't see it. But when the ligament rotates and tears, the meniscus essentially goes with it because the joint isn't supposed to go in that direction. The knee is not supposed to rotate. So they go hand in hand. And he went to physical therapy and he got somewhere, I mean, maybe a little bit, some of the early stuff that they did. But finally his mom was, you know, smart enough to say, eh, eh, King's X on that. I know if he needs to get better, we need to get him out of there and, you know, send him to Rob. And, you know, so I started working with him and, uh, you know, almost right away after I, you know, kind of saw where he was at and did some basic exercises that I know to do that aren't going to really hurt him at all, like lying leg raises and things like that where he's not bending the knee. I said, all right, it's, it's time to get better. So put him on the leg extension machine, which you're not supposed to do. Don't do leg extensions. Don't do open chain exercises, shearing of the joint, shearing of the joint. And I could look at a lot of PTs and go, define shearing of the joint. And they would just, you know, blankly stare at me because basically they just memorized, you know, that part of the multiple choice question, you know. Uh, not really understanding what it means, tearing, you know, cutting, none of that's true. How do you do that? Anyway, and lo and behold, he started to get better week in and week out. Now he's almost back to full strength. I think he would be full strength if he didn't have fear. He's afraid to do some of the things he was doing before, 
like jumping off of one leg and those types of things. And that's normal. That's a normal part of recovery is getting over the fear portion of it. But ultimately, he's walking without a limp. He's squatting. We do leg extensions every workout. And he's good to go. And another one didn't quite have the serious injury of that, but had some meniscus issues and been doing physical therapy and in and out with the doc and stuff. And, you know, leg extensions, boom. As soon as we started doing them, he started getting better. And now uh, he's almost, well, he's back to full activity. He, again, he could also be doing more full activity, but a little nervous and, and understandable. When people get hurt and they have some of the things that they enjoy taking away from them, they're kind of nervous to go back, but he's back to running. He uh, can be back to surfing. That's his love, his passion. He can do these things. So we had to strengthen the quads to get there. And the absolute best way to isolate a quad is a leg extension. End of story. It is the best way. And when people aren't strengthening their joints, they're not getting better. Okay, so if it's not hurting you, it's not hurting you. What does that mean, Rob? You keep saying it. What it means is that any exercise that you do that you don't feel pain during is making you better. Now, there's a difference between pain, burning, and soreness. Okay, the latter two you want. You want a little bit of soreness, meaning DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. So if you've had, I just keep using the knee as the example. If you've had a knee injury and then you start going back and training different exercises to strengthen your quads and you wake up the next day and go, oh man, the front of my leg hurts. I wonder if I hurt my knee. No, that's the front of your leg. You want that, okay? That's called DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. Soreness is okay. You're going to have some chronic soreness in and around and possibly even in the joint as you're making it better. Burning, the, the other one, that's also good. That's just from lactic acid. So you're feeling extreme burn in the muscles around the joint. That's a good thing too. That's not the pain I'm saying you need to stay away from. The pain is when you're doing an activity and all of a sudden you feel like a sharp pain or a pain that gets worse as you go. In other words, you're doing whatever exercise and you're like, uh, I feel that a little bit. Next rep, ooh, I feel it worse. Ooh, you get into the point where you have to change the motion. Like that's pain. I always say like, how do you know if something hurts if it keeps you doing from what you wanna do? If you've ever really hurt your shoulder, you know that. Like. There's no getting around it. It's like, oh man, no, these push-ups, I cannot do them. That's pain. Whereas if you're doing, a, um, say, a shoulder raise and you feel like a little bit of a dull ache or something in the middle of a set and it doesn't progressively get worse, that's not pain. That's just a little bit of soreness, you know. That's okay. So I used closed chain versus open chain and leg extension and knee as examples. But the bottom line is, like, Pain and all that, like it's not mysterious. It's not this hidden ghost that roams around and just creates mayhem when you're not paying attention. Pain is pain. So the same is true for running and cycling and swimming and all these activities. You know, well, I don't want to run too much and injure my knee, you might hear people say. Uh, so does it hurt when you run? No, it doesn't hurt when I run. Okay, so why all of a sudden is it going to start hurting 
your knee or your hip or your ankle when you run if it doesn't hurt your hip, your knee, or your ankle when you run. So it's just this false thinking. And my goal today is to just get you to just learn to listen to your body. Now, like take running, take cycling, take swimming. Mostly running and cycling. It's kind of hard to overdo things. I mean, it's possible, but overdo things when you're uh, cycling. But the other two, you know, you can get overuse injuries. I'm not trying to dismiss them. Yes, they can happen. But you really do know when they're happening if you're paying attention. For example, like when I start pushing the run too much, training for, say, a longer event, and I find my ego getting involved and pushing the pace a little too much, near the last mile or so, or maybe even longer, of one of those runs, my legs are feeling fatigued. So if I keep pushing through that and then push through it again the next day, well, I'm setting myself up for overuse. But it's not the running. It's not the motion. It's I'm not paying attention to the discomfort the true discomfort in the muscles, the fatigue, and because of that, I could get overuse. Now, overuse just simply means that some of the soft tissue is breaking down, and you could get some tendonitis, or if the cartilage is having to do more work because the muscles around the joints are fatigued, then problems with the cartilage. That's how overuse happens. But again, it's not the motion that does it. If you're not hurting, you're not hurting anything. So in other words, you're running along, say you run four miles every day, and at the end of every run you feel almost just as fresh as you did when you started, except obviously aerobically a little bit tired. You're not doing any damage. It's really silly or misguided to think that you are. It's only when you're feeling pain that you're causing problems. And most of that can be averted. Like you don't have to do those things, you know. You just have to learn to listen to that body. So any strength training that you're doing for your joints, and I always advise all of our clients, like when you come and train with us, we're working all the major joints. We're doing the muscles some way, some shape, some form, around those joints to make you stronger. Maybe multiple exercises around particular joints, but we don't neglect an area. And when somebody has a pre-existing condition of some kind, like they have a vulnerable shoulder, vulnerable hip, vulnerable knee, vulnerable ankle, vulnerable elbow, so then we're going to make sure that we really target those muscles and do what we need to do to make it stronger and ask the good question. For example, so do you feel that elbow pain when you bench press? Yeah, kind of, I do. Okay, no problem. A million and one alternatives. Do you feel it when we move over here and change this angle a little bit on the chest press? No, I don't. Okay, then that's the one we're gonna do. Leg extension, I gave it all the credit. You know, it, it maybe not always, right? So man, I really feel some pain in this joint right here when I do this exercise, but I don't feel it when I do vastus medialis oblique dips or when I do leg press or when I squat. Okay, so very simple. We're not gonna do the exercises where you feel the pain, but when you don't feel the pain, don't ignore certain exercises because some hack 
on social media said, never do a certain exercise because it's going to create a problem. That is just BS. So I, I've referenced him before. I think a lot of them, Dr. Fulton, he's a back expert. His son Brent works at Green Acres as well. They own the practice together and he's also phenomenal. I remember the great Mike Fulton, you know, who really pushed a lot of Nautilus and Medix equipment on people, meaning because he just thought they were great tools to make people stronger, and they are. And I remember one day we're chatting, I said, so do you really think the squat is like a counterproductive exercise because it causes pain? And we we're talking about like, not causes pain, I'm sorry, causes compression. And we're mostly talking about the bar-loaded squat, you know, which looks like can be a dangerous exercise, right? He just looked at me and he said, well, all exercises are good if you do them right. And all exercises are bad if you do them wrong. And I'm like, God, that is so poetically simple. And it is so true. You know, like any exercise that looks safe can cause problems if you're doing it wrong, wrong range of motion, wrong angles, wrong form, wrong load. So people, listen to your body. If it's not hurting you, it's not hurting you, okay? It's making you better. Do what you can. Don't read into the other stuff, okay? My little fitness tip of the day, because I just realized it when I stopped for some groceries at Publix. Walk your cart back in. That's your fitness tip. Walk your cart back to the store, not the corral back to the store. And you know what? If you see a second one laying around, grab that one too. Everybody or most everybody gets really, really obsessed with their steps. They all brag, right? And that's okay. You know, steps of it's it the literature supports it. People who do more steps today a day typically are more fit and of lower body weight. So yeah, the research is good on steps. I'm totally advocated. It. It's all good. Get your ten thousand a day, that's awesome. If that's the way to do it, right? A lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll, people will brag about how many steps per day they get, but then jump in the car as soon as they finish pushing their buggy in the lane next to them, which is going to cause an accident in a parking lot. My daughter works at Publix. It happens all the time. Most accidents in the parking lot happen because somebody pushed a cart into a lane. Somebody goes into a lane, hits the brakes, somebody rear ends them. So look, if you really care that much about your steps, push the cart back into the store. I'm going to start to give you a little tip every day, even if it makes you a little bit mad because you don't feel like doing that. But it's a great way to get in extra steps, right? I mean, you might be close at the end of the day. Maybe taking that cart back in the store is what pushed you over that 10,000 steps. I mean, if you're going to put in more time on the treadmill later anyway, why not do it? That helps everybody, you know? Let's use our fitness to help our planet, right? I mean... Just think about that, all right? Alrighty, that was fun today. Listen for these all week. If it ain't hurting you, it ain't hurting you. Push your carts back. All right, till next time. Be Max Fit, be Max Well. <laughs>